Good Monday morning. How about a live look at Lady Liberty to start our Monday? We got sunny skies to talk about. We've got a stretch of calmer weather, which is a nice change of pace from a wild weekend. Yeah, Not it's fitting bad. for pe President's Day. For yeah. President's nice Day. Holiday. Yeah. Kids are home. Yeah. So nice. I'm glad that you could be with us. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Mornings at 10. A lot to get to, um, including the rise in subway crime so far this year. Yeah, some alarming incidents that come to mind and making headlines this weekend. The latest from over the weekend as cops are now searching for a suspect who hit a victim over the head with a pipe in Queens. And this is just one of several high profile crimes in the subway one every day last week. So scary. Plus, a funeral inside St. Patrick's Cathedral sparking controversy. The service for a well-known transgender advocate. Why church leaders are calling the ordeal sacrilegious and deceptive. Plus, a funeral inside St. Cat. Inside St. St. Patrick's Cathedral over the weekend. Plus, did you see this? Did you see this battle? Sabrina versus Steph. The two best three-point shooters, you could argue, in the NBA and the WNBA. And now a remark by one of the commenters during the broadcast sparking a bit of backlash. But we're going to hear from Sabrina Ionescu about the amazing performance against Steph Curry. We all watched it over the weekend. We it was did. incredible. It and was. It, and, you know, my eight-year-old daughter plays basketball. She actually had a, a tryout that morning on Saturday, and she was so excited to see this contest. It was yeah. fun to see. I love that Mila gets to see this. Yes. This it's is inspiring. the era where she gets to be inspired by the That's Sabrinas cool. of the world. Yeah, that was cool. We'll get into that. Um, but first, mm. the snow and wind of the weekend are gone. Boy, did we go through it this weekend, <laughs> Danny. But you've got a sunny forecast. I'm really excited to be able to settle into a quieter stretch, especially since that quiet stretch brings us seasonable temperatures and sunshine. And that's exactly what we're enjoying today. Right now, temperatures back in the 30s across the tri-state. So we are warming up after starting in the 20s and 30s earlier this morning. Here's a look at the hour by hour. I love a 12 hour forecast with just sunny icons, right? We stay clear even into tonight with temperatures that end up landing right around where we should be this time of year. I think the big difference maker between yesterday and today is the wind. Yesterday's high of 40, not far from today's 42, but without the gusty wind, it will feel that much more comfortable. We stay sunny tomorrow, turning milder on Wednesday, and in fact, even milder on Thursday. Something we talked about over the weekend was the snow. Mm -hmm. uh, part of the tri-state picking up impressive snowfall totals but when you look at where we should be by this time of the season central park seven and a half inches so far we should see should have seen over 21 inches so we're still seeing a snow deficit already have our next storm system on the uh, on the schedule here i'll let you know if that's rain or snow coming up in Aki weather so what little snow we get we shouldn't complain about right. it's ultimately what we're right saying. all right um our top stories a three alarm fire in teaneck new jersey that has left multiple people injured. Officials say the blaze broke out just after midnight last night. When first responders arrived, they found several residents trapped in the basement and had to help pull them out. Two people suffered burns. A third was treated for unknown injuries. The cause of the fire is being investigated. We're going to have a live report from the scene ahead of 1030. An FDNY lieutenant arrested in Brooklyn and now accused of assaulting an EMT right in the middle of a call. Police say 47-year-old Neil Francis attacked this EMT Saturday in Crown Heights after the two got into a verbal dispute on how to handle a job. Francis is stationed at Engine 234, Battalion 38. Now he's facing a strangulation charge. Right now, an urgent search is underway for a man who police say hit someone in the head with a metal pipe inside a Queens subway station. It's the same station where another victim was stabbed last week, leading to increased concerns about subway safety in general. Crime is up compared to this time last year. 
Eyewitness News reporter Phil Tate, live in Long Island City with the very latest. Phil? Yeah, Charlene, well, for riders I spoke with, they tell me that they are scared following a week of violent crime. Meanwhile, a slew of investigations are now underway aimed at reducing those numbers that we are seeing in our transit system and to ultimately to keep New Yorkers safe. Ooh, not very safe. Not very safe coming through here on a regular basis. It's a little scary. It really is. But, uh, you know, you got to get to work. Riders on edge after a violent assault early Saturday morning. Police say a 31 year old man was struck multiple times to the head with a metal pipe. This morning, the attacker is still on the loose. And you just got to be vigilant. You got to keep your eyes open. The NYPD is searching for this man who they believe to be responsible, asking New Yorkers to keep their eyes open. As we sit here right now, we're looking at uh, upwards of a thousand additional cops a day uh, in uniform assigned to the subway system throughout the city. Even with an increased police presence, just two days prior to Saturday's mayhem, a 29-year-old man from Brazil was slashed on his neck at this very same station. It's not just the police presence. We all need to be a part of bringing down this crime and you know, if we if we see really see something and, and just not feel something that's not right, we should say something. Police are searching for this person who they believe to be responsible in this slashing incident. Meanwhile, just a week ago, bullets flew at the Mount Eden station in the Bronx. Police are still on the hunt for a teenager who investigators say shot and killed a 35 year old man on the train platform, including a 14 year old who police believe was another shooter. Well, if you don't have more cops, everything's going to stay the same. And important to note, according to NYPD Comstats, our subway system is seeing a rise in overall crime by 22.6%. That's the very latest in Long Island City this morning. I'm Phil Tate, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Phil, thank you. Some other news we're following this morning. An arrest in a deadly Valentine's Day hit and run in New Jersey. The Essex County prosecutor charging 42-year-old Dakir Robinson in the death of 22-year-old Winston Perlaza. The victim was hit and killed in Nutley on February 14th as he walked with a date. She was injured in that crash. Happening today, there will be an environmental rally and march calling for peace for Palestinians and asking the U.S. to stop sending funds to Israel. It will take place at East 47th Street and 2nd Avenue starting at 2.30 p.m. Meanwhile, Israel continues to push into southern Gaza. Israel says it will expand its operations in Rafah on the border with Egypt. That is where more than half of Gaza's population has sought refuge from the war. Uh, meanwhile, in Tel Aviv, protesters came out against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu demanding the release of hostages. Happening today, the fallout continues after the death of Alexei Navalny, Russia's leading opposition figure. A new video this morning, his widow claiming that Vladimir Putin killed her husband. She vowed to continue his opposition efforts. And now presidential candidate Donald Trump, former President Trump, being roped into the backlash. ABC's M. Wynn with more. Former President Trump still staying silent on the death of Vladimir Putin's fiercest critic, Alexei Navalny. Despite making multiple appearances since Russia claimed Friday, Navalny felt unwell and collapsed in a Russian prison. If we win Michigan, we win the whole ball game. We win everything. The former president has only posted on social media, comparing himself to Navalny, claiming without evidence that the U.S. justice system has been weaponized against him. Trump's remaining challenger on the Republican presidential primary, Nikki Haley, criticizing him for neglecting to directly weigh in on Navalny's death. Either he sides with Putin and thinks it's cool that 
that Putin killed one of his political opponents, or he just doesn't think it's that big of a deal. This coming days after Trump also set off alarms saying he would encourage Russia to attack NATO allies who failed to meet agreed upon defense spending goals. We need to remind the American people that Vladimir Putin is not our friend. Russian prison officials claim Navalny, who is serving a 19-year jail term for offenses widely considered politically motivated, died from, quote, sudden death syndrome. But Navalny's team insists he was murdered. They say his mother was told that her son's body would not be released until investigations were complete. So right now we don't have access to the body and we don't know for sure where it is. Russian police have been cracking down, arresting hundreds of people across Russia for trying to pay their respects to Navalny. That was M. Wynn reporting on Capitol Hill, Navalny's death, along with the fall of a key city in the eastern part of Ukraine this past weekend, adding urgency to this debate of passing more for Ukraine's war against Russia, more aid. And House Republicans have insisted no more foreign aid until more broader security measures are talked about and have been passed about this country's issues. Flags in Minnesota will be flown at half-staff today. The tribute is in honor of two police officers and a firefighter who were killed over the weekend while responding to a call. Officials say police went to a home in the town of Burnsville, about 15 miles south of Minneapolis, just before 2 a.m. Sunday, where they say an armed man was barricaded inside with his family, the standoff eventually escalating to a shootout that claimed the lives of Burnsville police officers. Palm Elmstrand, Matthew Ruge, and firefighter paramedic Adam Finseth. Authorities say the suspect also died. The seven uh, children in that home were released and are safe. A judge in Pennsylvania accused of shooting her ex-boyfriend while he was asleep and then trying to convince him that he pulled the trigger. Police say Sonia McKnight shot her estranged boyfriend in the head earlier this month. So he woke up with a massive headache and a huge pain in his head. He could not see. And police say she then asked him, what did you do to yourself? Investigators say test revealed gunshot residue on McKnight's hands. She was arrested last week, now charged with attempted murder and aggravated assault. She continues to deny any wrongdoing. New data from New York City Hall this morning finds first responders are taking longer to get to emergencies. Over the first four months of fiscal year 2024, the average NYPD response time to a critical crime in progress was nine minutes and 41 seconds, up from nine minutes and one second the year prior. The city attributes the rise and rise uh, in response time to higher traffic levels and more than 45,000 additional 911 calls. The average response time to life-threatening medical emergencies for ambulances and fire companies also up compared to last fiscal year from nine minutes, 43 seconds to nine minutes and 52 seconds. And of course, we're talking about seconds here, but those seconds can be critical. The other big increase, according to the city hall data, fires caused by lithium ion batteries, something we've been talking about a lot, particularly yeah. here on mornings at 10. And it's an issue that Commissioner Kavanaugh has made prominent during her tenure leading the FDNY. This report revealing the department is working with legislators at the city, state and federal levels to implement new regulations that would hopefully reduce the availability of those dangerous batteries. And we know every second counts, especially with those types of fires that are just right. so volatile and so many deaths. Remember, we so had a story last month, I think, about a, a school at NYU trying to use AI to help with response mm. time. So I know they're trying to address the problem of uh, traffic being a big issue. Yeah. And hopefully they do, because to see it increase that mm -hmm. much in years. Positive scary. use of AI there, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Coming up.
Controversy surrounding a funeral held at St. Patrick's Cathedral, why church officials say the ceremony was sacrilegious and deceptive. Plus a bizarre and gruesome discovery. What we know after officials uncovered a body part on the subway tracks. And guys, turns out homework doesn't end once you leave school. The new trend about how it's appearing during job interviews. It's up to anyone who's on the job hunt. Something I hope that I'm not doing anytime soon. Hint, hint, <laughs> people either. employ me. Uh, listen, looking for a new job, it's never easy, right? Yes. Especially considering how much the process has changed over the past several years. Mm -hmm. Think yeah. of the big changes like dealing with Zoom interviews instead of in-person uh, in interviews. Mm -hmm. It's all really stressful. But now we're going to add something to that. How about homework? Some places asking applicants to complete homework. We're talking full on presentations to job assignments during the interview process. Okay, so let's get into this. Experts say while homework gives companies a better idea of whether the candidate is a good fit, it can be a lot of work for that applicant. Some yeah. people say they're willing to do the work if they're close to the finish line mm. of the interview process. Like, do you want me? Do you kind of want me? <laughs> to show the company what they can actually do. One thing that we do hear is that candidates who have these take-home assignments early in the process feel like it's a waste of time because it's a pretty low probability that they'll actually get the job, whereas candidates who get these assignments later in the process are more understanding of uh, the, the need for this kind of test. Experts recommend you really think through whether the extra effort and time <laughs> is worth that particular position. Yeah, probably weeds out the people that don't think it's worth it, right? So that's there's that. That's actually a good point. All but right. imagine you put all that work in. And don't get the job? Yeah, that'd mm. be tough. All right, still to come this morning, we're headed to England. All right, for a look at uh, last night's big winners from the BAFTA Awards and how those winners could be a preview of what's to come at the Oscars. Also ahead, did you know Tom Hanks is related to a former U.S. president? What? More fun yeah. facts as we celebrate <laughs> the people who have held the country's top job on this President's Day. Next. Nolan, up and on. Gillian Murphy for Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I want to thank my fellow nominees and my Oppenhomies. That was a, that was a rhyme. Cheekbones. Oh, did you hear me say that? Yes. Those well, we were, we were all yeah. admiring. Yeah. Were we? Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> I mean, No, yes, yes, of course. Absolutely. Well, if that's yes. a sign of things Very to impressive. come, <laughs> we are 20 days out from the Oscars, but we might have a better idea of who's going to win thanks to the BAFTAs. The British version of the Oscars took place last night, and they are typically seen as a way to foreshadow the winners at the Oscars. Yeah, so if that's true, the people behind Oppenheimer and Poor Things will be very happy. For Oppenheimer, the movie was nominated for seven awards and walked away with seven awards. That included Best Film and the top prizes for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. If there was a prize for Best Cheekbones, probably would have won that too. Uh, other big winners included Emma Stone from the movie Poor Things, and for Best, uh, she won for Best Actress. Yes. And also Divine Joy Randolph from the movie The Holdovers for Best Supporting Actress. They're both up for the same categories at the Oscars next month. I'm looking forward to that. In all fairness, I was like, you know, emphasizing the cheekbones, and you said it. Yeah, a hot mic moment it for me. It's, uh, it wasn't your fault. Pretty typical. Uh, one more big <laughs> appearance to mention from last night. Prince William walked the red carpet. He mm. serves as the president of the BAFTA, but he was solo because his wife, Princess Kate, is still recovering from that abdominal surgery we told you mm. all about. I liked the fashion. And uh, let's bring it back to the States. How about it? Let's do it. Here in America, we're <laughs> celebrating the 139th President's Day. 
So how much, guys, how much do we really know about the people that have held America's top job? Well, we are rating the cheekbones of all the former <laughs> presidents. No? That's not what this is? No. Okay. No, I, all right. I'm so sorry. All right. You're a serious newsman. My bad. From Abraham Lincoln's family tree stretching all the way to Hollywood, right? Pulling it back to the red carpet. And to a chief executive who got a speeding ticket in a horse and buggy. Oh, I did hear about that. It's pretty wild. <laughs> Danny New takes a deep dive. Mr. Abraham Lincoln. If you want to learn about our forefathers this President's Day, we unfortunately don't have a time machine like Bill and Ted, but we do have a stronger internet connection to look up fun facts. My name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. For example, did you know that President Abraham Lincoln is apparently distantly related to Tom Hanks? Yes. I don't get it. Well, what if I told you that before she got married, Lincoln's mother was named Nancy Hanks? But I'm still here. <laughs> Speaking of relatives, this man right here is named Harrison Ruffin Tyler, and he is the grandson of our 10th president, John Tyler. You see, President Tyler was 63 years old when Harrison's father was born, and then Harrison's father was 75 years old at his birth. Thus, we currently have a living grandson of a president who died before the Civil War was over. Do you have any idea how fast you were going? Well... Speaking of the Civil War, did you know that Union General and 18th U.S. President Ulysses S. Grant once got a speeding ticket on a horse-drawn carriage? Yeah, in 1872, he was reportedly pulled over for going too fast, got arrested, and ended up paying a $20 bond. A moment I wake up. It actually wasn't until President William McKinley, the namesake of McKinley High and Glee, that we would finally get a president who rode in an actual automobile. You'll have to excuse me, though. The hunt is afoot. And then Teddy Roosevelt was the first president to actually have a government-owned car at the White House. On the subject of the White House, it actually used to be referred to as the President's Palace or the Executive Mansion until President Roosevelt officially named it the White House in 1901. Danny New, ABC News, New York. Learned a lot. Really a interesting lot of, tidbits there. Uh, history. And on this President's Day, in addition to learning about our past leaders, there are also a number of closures yeah. to know about. Most banks across the country are closed. Notably, TD Bank is staying open, though. ATMs typically open. The U.S. Postal Service also closed for the day. But you can get deliveries in and out through FedEx and UPS. Most non-essential governmental offices are closed, including courts, the DMV, and libraries. And most retail spaces are open. In fact, they have these President day sales, right? So yes, they do. There, there you go. Let's go. Definitely open. Uh, straight ahead. We are getting a taste of typical late night food in Pakistan. Yum. It's coming straight from the East Village. The cool flavor combinations that include spiced fries with this killer maple syrup dip. Okay, mm. two of my favorite things. Let's eat them at the same time. <laughs> All right. I'm officially excited. Kalachi mm. is home to a popular street food in Pakistan, the paratha roll. Owned by a husband and wife team, Kalachi is bringing authentic Pakistani food to the East Village. Check it out. So rolls in Pakistan is basically a late night food. I'd say it's our version of a cheeseburger or a pizza slice or a taco. We have three types of proteins. We do chicken, beef, and a plant-based chicken. All our proteins are marinated in our house spices and then flamed and grilled um, on skewers. We then top it off with a creamy yogurt mint cilantro sauce and then some red onions and then roll up the whole thing inside a paratha bread. We also have the diesel fries, which is 
a spice blend that we make in-house and we serve it with maple syrup for that sweet and savory, you know, um, kick. So diesel fries growing up, I when we used to get like street fries, they used to power their generators with um, diesel oil. And the smell of diesel was so overpowering that before you even got to the fries, you could smell the diesel before you could smell the food. And it just became like a street name. And as kids, we loved it. East Village is such a neighborhood vibe. Um, we're surrounded by NYU and our food is fast. It's easy, it's clean, it's a grab-and-go item. I tell people one roll is a snack and two is a meal. I personally feel like two rolls and uh, fries is like the complete package and you can get all three things under $20. I don't think the child in me had ever imagined I'd be here today, which is why it's so, you know, it's hard to sink in right now, but but it's great. I'm really happy. I'm really proud of what we've done here. And um, every time customers come in and they tell us this is the closest food that we get in New York City to back home, and it makes me really happy. Oh, makes us really happy, too. It makes too. us happy. So Our stomachs. So we've got three kinds of paratha rolls. We've got chicken, beef, and plant-based. This is the chicken. These are the beef. And we also have these diesel fries with maple syrup. Mm. You guys are so good, right? It's very good. Oh. There's like some heat that comes towards the end. So delicious. So you can Ooh. head to ABCNY, like mm. abc7ny.com slash mornings at 10 for more neighborhood eats. And again, they're in the East Village. And That's so cool. Mm. And what was it? So the, the, the diesel fries have an interesting story behind them. Yeah. Right? right. So, so it, the, the street food comes from Kalachi in Pakistan. Um, and the, 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 whatever, the machinery that they use. Yeah, the to, fryers on the streets. Like, you know, kids fries. come out of school. They're right by the diesel engines. Yeah. Yep. Of these vehicles. And so they call them diesel fries for like street food. They, they're amazing. They, okay, I'm really excited for you to tell us how this is. Mm, I couldn't take right a big in. bite because I have to do weather, but. Mm, good, right? Good? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, thank All you right. for telling the diesel fries story. Sadly. So eat one I was gonna say, before doing this. You have to go to work. So. Gotta Sorry. go do work. <laughs>